Hello and welcome to part one in a series of videos that I'm putting out this week where I break down all the fights taking place this weekend at UFC on ESPN3 from a betting perspective. So in today's video I will be going through three fights on this card including the main event between Francis Ngannou and Junior De Santos and hopefully you'll be able to use the information contained in this video to make better betting decisions. Now at this point in the video I would usually go back and reflect on the fights that took place on the last event and talk about my betting results but I already done that yesterday when I released my first ever event recap video so a big thank you to everyone that left a comment and a like on that video I really really appreciate it you all said very very nice things and I will definitely be doing more of those videos in the future over the next couple of days I will make sure I go back and respond to every single one of you that left a comment on that video I really really appreciate all your kind words and I just didn't realize that people liked the post event content so much so I will definitely do more of that in the future in fact I would even say uh, some people actually seem to like the post event content more than they do the pre event content like this breakdown video which is not what I expected at all so I'll definitely do more of those in the future and remember as ever if you want me to do a bonus live stream video on the day of the fights this Saturday where I go through all the fights taking place at UFC on ESPN3 to try and find a decent value prop bet, make sure you hit the like button below. And if every video that I put out this week gets 350 likes, I will do that bonus video a few hours or bonus live stream video a few hours before UFC on ESPN3 takes place. And if you don't know what a prop bet is, a prop bet is just basically a highly specific bet on a fight. For example, Nganu wins inside the distance would be considered a prop. So if you want me to do that live stream, please hit the like button below and also subscribe if you haven't already. And like in all my live streams, I'll also take as long as I need to make sure I answer all your questions about well anything you want to ask me uh, about betting or anything about this upcoming event and now the beauty of getting those recap videos done on a Monday is instead of dicking around going over all ground talking about fights from last week we can now jump straight into the breakdowns for this card and the first fight that I want to talk about is going to be Vinicius Moreira against Eric Anders and I'm kicking off this series of videos with this fight because this fight has given me a real big headache today. Uh, I'm not sure how to cap it. It's not very often that I struggle to put a probability on each fighter. But I just don't know how to assign a probability to either of these fighters and how to cap it. I'm really, really struggling. And I'm just going to talk out loud in this breakdown. I'm going to share with you how I'm feeling about this fight. And hopefully you'll be able to use the information that I've gathered to make make your own decision on whether to bet this fight or not. Uh, this is a bet. This is a fight I am thinking of betting. I haven't yet. Um, and I mean, we're only on Tuesday, the day before the event. I mean, we're still five days before this fight is scheduled to take place. So I'm probably just going to give this fight a lot more thought throughout the week. But haven't ruled out betting it yet. But it's given me a huge headache because I just don't know where to cap it. And maybe you guys uh, can help me out in the comments below. Please leave a comment below or please hit me up in the chat room on my website sometime this week. Uh, and let me know how you feel about this fight. Let me know 
what you think of my research and the kind of stuff I've come up with to help me come to a conclusion, help me assign a probability to this matchup because at the moment I'm really struggling. So instead of baffling any longer, I'm just going to get into talking about how I feel about this matchup based on the research that I've done so far. So to understand the difficulty that I'm having in betting this fight, let's first take a look at the odds. So the average odds available on Anders at the moment are around about 1.30, which is minus 333 for an implied probability of 77%. So to get any value on Anders here at all, you've got to give him around about uh, an 82% chance of winning this fight, which for me is just crazy. You know, at the end of the day, Anders is a decent fighter, but he doesn't deserve to be this big of a favourite over pretty much anyone in the division. He does have weaknesses, he does have bad fight IQ, and there are ways that Moreira can win this fight which is what we're going to be focusing on in this breakdown so if we then look at the odds on Vinicius Moreira you can see that his current average odds are around about 3.75 which is plus 275 for an implied probability of 27% so the the rules that I have on on placing bets differ depending on what probability I give a fighter of winning so if I believe that, so for example, Renato Moicano would be a good example last week. Uh, I personally believe he had around a 70% chance of winning. Uh, the odds on him, uh, the, the implied probability on his odds was around about 65%. So betting on Moicano meant that I got a 5% margin on the bookies. And I'm happy to take that in situations where I really do feel that a fighter is going to win unless something crazy happens. Uh, as it happens, something crazy did happen, but that's not the point. I don't want to focus on that point. I'm just using it as an example to explain the value margins that I try to get for different kind of bets. So if a guy's already a pretty big favourite, it's very unlikely you're going to get more than a 5% margin on the bookies. You'd be very lucky to get a 5% margin on the bookies. So when I do get a 5% margin, I'm happy to take it. However, that is generally because more often than not, you know, around about 65% of the time in MMA, the favourites win anyway. So you can afford to take less of a value margin and still make a long-term profit as long as you are capping fights accurately and getting your money in strong positions, which I hope that my results over the last five years show that I have consistently been able to do. But when it comes to higher-risk bets, like a potential bet on Vinicius Moera, I like to get a much bigger margin of value simply because guys like Vinicius Moreira will lose way more frequently than guys like Renato Moicano. I mean, they're huge underdogs for a reason. It's clearly because they have big weaknesses. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't win. That doesn't mean that there's not value there. But what it does mean is your win rate on these bets will be a lot lower. There's a much greater chance of them losing. Therefore, you need a higher risk-to-reward ratio to guarantee that you will make a profit from these kind of bets long-term. So whereas I would take a 5% margin on a... Uh, you know, on a big favourite like, you know, someone like Renato Moicano or a Calvin Cater, uh, anyone really, any of the big bets we've won over the last uh, last few months. I need a bigger margin if I'm going to roll the dice on an underdog, which will probably lose. I'm always, I'm looking for like a 10 to 15% margin, which means if I want to bet Moreira, I have to cap him at around about, at, well, at least having a 37% chance of winning, which would give me a 10% on, you know, his current implied probability of, of 27%. 
That's personally my strategy. Everyone does things differently. But this works for me. This is what worked, has worked for me for a very long time. Just remember that a lot of people preaching about plus EV bets and, uh, and value bets online do not make a living doing this. And I can tell you that in order to consistently make money on sports betting, you need to gain money into strong positions. You need to get your money into favorable, favorable positions. And if you start rolling the dice on... Guys like Vinicius Moreira who do have a significant chance of losing and you're not getting a good margin in the odds. There is a much greater chance that over time you'll either float around break even on these kind of bets. Even if they are plus EV or you will actually make a loss. So that is why I like to take a higher margin. And that is why I am struggling with capping this fight because I don't know if I can give Moreira a 37% chance of winning that fight, uh, winning this fight. It's a very, very difficult fight to cap. And the reason why it's so difficult to cap is because both guys have weaknesses that the other can exploit. In many ways, this fight is very similar to Alan Crowder against Jazzinho Rosenstruck, which we saw this past weekend, because Vinicius Moreira has a big advantage over Eric Anders on the ground. He's a very strong grappler, very high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, but he has absolutely no striking at all. No striking defense, no striking offense. I mean, he's so easy to hit, doesn't move his head. When this fight is standing, Moreira will be at constant risk of being knocked out. And I mean, I know Anders isn't devastating. He's not as dangerous as someone like Rosenstruck standing. But he does hit hard. He is very aggressive. And he's also very athletic. And his takedown defense is a hell of a lot better than Rosenstruck's is. So the point I'm trying to get to is when you're trying to cap a fight and assign a probability to what you give each fighter a chance of winning... If we take the Alan Crowder versus Rosenstruck fight as an example, we knew that that was probably a 50-50 fight, right? We knew that Rosenstruck had no takedown defense and a white level, white belt level ground game. We knew Alan Crowder had no striking defense. And as it happens, Rosenstruck was the guy to strike first, to land first, landed the kill shot in nine seconds before Crowder even got close to taking him down and exploiting his low level ground game. And that's what's difficult to cap about this fight because no matter what percentage chance you give Moreira of winning, nothing will change the fact that this guy can be knocked out at any second because of how bad his striking defense is. And if Anders just lands one clean hard shot, it's all over. And if you bet on Moreira, that means that in a split second, your money can be completely dead in the water. This is a zero-sum game. Remember, if you're investing in, in crypto or stocks or shares or commodities and stuff, things start to go badly, you could sell at a loss, but you won't lose everything. You've got time to exit that tricky position. In MMA, it's a zero-sum game. You lose everything in an instant. You know, Last weekend, we got our money into a strong position on Moicano to beat Korean Zombie. And in 30 seconds like that, we lost everything out of nowhere. And exactly the same thing can happen to Moreira, which makes this a very tricky fight to cap. But that doesn't mean to say that he can't win. Because Anders, his takedown defense isn't bulletproof. We've seen that in his fight against Tim Williams. 
you know, I, I strongly recommend you go back and watch this fight. Towards the end of the first round, Williams was able to connect his hands around uh, Eric Anders' hips very easily and take him down. Also did it at the beginning of the second round. And we've also seen Anders show big weaknesses to his grappling and take down the fence back at LFA 14 against Brendan Allen. Although this fight was like two years ago now. So you'd expect Anders to have improved a lot since then. But I just want to spend a few moments showing you the kind of skills that Moreira brings to the table so that maybe you can assess for yourself if you want to take a gamble on him this weekend or not. So uh, Moreira is clear. He's the guy in the orange shorts. He's fighting Jason Ratcliffe here. Uh, this fight took place back in March 2018, so just over a year ago now. So if we hit play here, remember, Moreira absolutely no striking at all you're not going to see a bunch of that in this fight because Moreira knows his limitations and he knows exactly what he wants to do whenever he fights doesn't mess around the kickboxing range as early as possible he tries to get this fight to the ground and here we see you know literally within 12 seconds of the fight starting he shoots his first takedown attempt and one of the more dangerous things about uh, Moreira is that he's a big big guy he's six foot three with a 75 inch reach and those long arms those long limbs enable him to wrap his arms around his opponent's body and, and gain control of their body and here we can see you know within 12 seconds he's got his hands connected around Jason Radcliffe on a full body lock which he's going to try and use to chain in the different takedown attempts Radcliffe choosing to defend this with the overhook on the left side and he's going to try and use his right arm to break the grip of Moreira whilst creating a wide base against the cage so if we carry on uh, playing this here we can see that Radcliffe has done a really really good job of stuffing the initial takedown attempt so what you then see is Moreira use excellent chain wrestling to start the move to the back this is Khabib Nurmagomedov style you'll see Khabib shoot into his opponents in the same sort of way he'll drive into the cage on a single or double leg takedown once his opponent starts to stuff that you'll see Khabib starting the move to take the back and trap the legs so that he can shift his opponent's body weight to complete the takedown this is also something we saw Tatiana Suarez do a lot a few weeks ago against Nina Ansarov and there you see um Moreira doing exactly what we just said he would try to do Khabib style when he's got control of his opponent's body, he would try and tie the leg up to then shift their body weight to take them down. But on this occasion, Radcliffe shows excellent uh, balance, manages to stuff the takedown, uh, and now has also managed to clear his left leg again. And Radcliffe doing a really good job of, of, of shutting down Moreira's takedown here. But what's important to mention just 40 seconds into this fight is Moreira is showing excellent chain wrestling here. You know, once Radcliffe stuffs one particular technique, he's not giving up he's transitioning into a different kind of takedown attempt and he's not letting control of Radcliffe's body a really really important part of chain wrestling is that you keep control of some part of your opponent's body be it a leg or their body preferably their body because it gives you a lot more options to transition into different things but this is what we see from Khabib even when his opponents shut down one particular type of takedown attempt uh, they he can then use the control that he maintains to transition into a different kind of takedown and that's something the Moreira has done very very good here despite uh, Jason showing very good balance now Moreira showed some bad fight IQ there and a lack of experience by pulling guard uh, but at the end of the day, Moreira does not want to be standing. Like I said, you don't get to see it in this matchup, but he is a very, very low-level striker, so he will do whatever he can to take his opponents to the ground. And on this occasion, he committed hard to takedowns, committed a lot of energy to those takedowns, didn't get the takedowns. 
so then ultimately uh, decided to uh, pull guard and there you can see he didn't like what he was uh, didn't didn't like the way that the, the ground exchanges were going could see that he didn't have anything off his back so he used those butterfly hooks or butterfly guard to uh, work his way back to his feet very very nice and they're back up but like I said Moreira knows what he is he knows his limitations he knows he doesn't have any striking so it doesn't take him long to try and get this fight back to the ground and there we see a little glimpse of how vulnerable Moreira is standing you know Radcliffe throwing the step in jab you know you could see that there I mean there's not much of of Moreira's low level striking defense to show you here but I mean look at this little sequence here Moreira coming forward walking forward in a straight line his chin up high and exposed hands down low and watch Radcliffe just lands a clean uppercut right on the chin I mean Moreira ate it largely because Radcliffe didn't fully commit to it but you can imagine what is going to happen to Moreira when he starts to fight these higher level guys in the UFC, you cannot afford to walk forward and eat clean, hard power strikes like that. It's just, you're going to get knocked out. There's no question about it. But again, you know, less less than 30 seconds from uh, being on the ground uh, after uh, creating those butterfly hooks to stand back up. Moreira's straight in on a different kind of takedown attempt this time. He's dropped to his knees and aggressively shot in on a double leg takedown. This time, uh, because he shot in very aggressively, He's managed to connect his hands around Jason Radcliffe's hips. And for that reason, he's going to be able to drag Radcliffe's head, uh, legs away from the cage, upset his balance, and complete the takedown. And here we see Moreira's very, very high-level ground game on display. Moreira has a base in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Sorry, spoke a little bit too soon there. Um, Radcliffe was actually able to pop back up to his feet. But remember, Khabib Nurmagomedov style, uh, Moreira does a really good job. Once uh, Radcliffe starts to stand back up of maintaining this back control, so he can use this body lock to start fishing for other takedowns and to try and get this fight back to the ground. And here we see Hooks Radcliffe's leg. Uh, goes further to the back here deeper in the back control all the while maintaining this body lock maintaining control maintaining control of Radcliffe's body Khabib style beautiful 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 chain wrestling from Moreira and then doesn't take long for Moreira to again explode into another takedown attempt and drag drags Radcliffe to the ground and all this grappling control comes from Moreira's ability to keep that body lock and keep control of Radcliffe's body. And then he starts to go to work on the ground. Fishing for a rear naked choke here. Uh, softening Radcliffe up with some ground and pound. Uh, eventually gets the two hooks in. Just skipping through here. Because this is the sequence that ends the fight. You know chipping away at Radcliffe from back control with ground and pound eventually forces Radcliffe to, to, to roll to his back to defend the rear naked choke which eventually gives up uh, gives up the choke that Moreira is able to end the fight with so I just wanted to show you uh, a little bit about what Moreira brings to the table because as you can see he's a very strong offensive wrestler he's got very good chain wrestling and we know like I said from Eric is and Eric Anders fight against Tim Williams and also against Brendan Allen we know that he's quite a low level on the ground his takedown defense isn't bulletproof you know when on the ground he does have a habit of giving his back up which would be suicide against the high level Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner like Frank Vinicius Moreira but at the same time from a risk to reward 
situation and whether you choose to bet Moreira here really comes down to are you happy with him getting knocked out inside 10 seconds because this fight could go exactly the same way as Rosenstuck versus Crowder his striking defense is so bad I mean he didn't really get to see a lot of it in the Radcliffe fight because he did a great job of wet blanketing Radcliffe but if you go and watch you know, his last two fights against Alonzo Menefield or John Allen, you'll see Moreira's poor striking defense on full display. So again, I say this all the time, guys, but there's no right or wrong in MMA. All there are is multiple scenarios, that, uh, multiple ways that every fight that could play out, or every fight could play out in multiple ways. And all we can do is identify all the possible ways a fight could play out, assign probabilities to them, then try and work out kind of what the most likely outcome is and see if you know the odds are worth betting on that fight that holds the most likely outcome. Now, I'm struggling to cap this fight because all fights start standing Eric Anders is athletic, he is powerful, he is explosive. He can be difficult to take down at times. And Moreira is just so vulnerable standing that he can be knocked out at any second. So I really don't know how to cap this fight. I mean, I'm sure that there are a bunch of knuckleheads online that, you know, bet on Jorginho Rosenstruck and... You know, they had a great fun making fun of people to bet Alan Crowder because he got knocked out in nine seconds. But the reality is, you know, if Crowder would have just ducked under that punch, put Rosenstruck on his back, he probably could have dominated him from top position for, for five minutes and got a stoppage with ground and pound or, or, or a submission. This game is a game of inches, yeah? MMA is a game of inches and every fight... If these guys fought 10 times, you know, you, you'll see a different outcome every time. So, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, do your own research on this one. Understand that the odds are enticing on Moreira. I don't think he's a bad bet. But if you do bet Moreira, there is a very, very significant chance he'll lose. Because he's got no striking defense and he's very vulnerable to being knocked out. So it all depends on how much risk you're willing to take on. I haven't decided if I'm betting him yet. He's a very risky bet. He could get knocked out within 10 seconds. Uh, you just have to decide if you're comfortable placing that kind of bet. But I do think the odds are way off. There is definitely some value on Moreira. There's no doubt about that. I'm just not sure how much value there is on Moreira because I'm really struggling to assign a probability to the chance of him getting knocked the fuck out because it is a significant probability. Having said that, he is a beast on the ground. Uh, his his offensive wrestling is very good and, uh, and I do think he can take Eric Anders down if he gets a chance before getting knocked out. So that is it for that, guys. Sorry I rambled on a bit there. Uh, I've just got, I just don't know really how to get my thoughts and feelings across for that fight. I'm kind of struggling with it because it is very complicated. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm feeling about that one. So now we go on to the next fight that I want to talk about, which is Alonzo Menifield against Paul Craig. And uh, Alonzo Menifield's one of the biggest favourites on the card. If we take a look at his current odds, currently around about an average of 1.33, which is minus 303 for an implied probability of 75%. And he is fighting Paul Craig, who is currently around about an average of, say, 3.50, which is plus 250 for an implied probability of 29%. And uh, straight away, just want to make it clear that 
you know, Menefield is around about the same odds as, as Eric Anders, and we just spoke in depth about how I personally don't feel Anders deserves to be a big favourite and he shouldn't be a big favourite. Uh, but I do believe uh, Menefield is worthy of, of this price tag. I could definitely see why Menefield is a big favourite. I'm a big fan of him. I think he could be very, very good. Uh, he trains at Fortis MMA. There's loads of beasts coming out of that gym lately. He's absolutely huge at six foot one, 76 inch reach. Uh, still young, 31 years old, still in his prime, making big improvements from fight to fight. Very athletic, very powerful, decent boxing, hits like a truck, uh, very technical, decent chin, tough, difficult to take down, uh, nightmare from top position with ground and pound. Just overall, just a decent solid very very technical very very skilled very very explosive and athletic fighter that should absolutely murder paul craig uh paul craig is primarily a grappler doesn't really have any boxing similar to Moreira, very bad striking defense he's there to be hit he's there to be ko'd although uh i will say his striker defense is quite a bit better than uh, than uh, Moreira. in all his striking centers around his kicks but he's not really going to be able to cause menafield too much of a problem with his kicks he's primarily a grappler but his offensive wrestling's quite poor uh, and even though he's he's quite tricky on the ground, he's got a lot of Hail Mary submissions. Uh, he also gives up position frequently going for long shot submissions. Uh, tends to slow down quite a lot as the fight progresses. And by the second round, you can usually find him shooting desperation takedowns from way too far outside of his opponent's range, which leaves him even more wide open to the knockout. Or, uh, or, or sees him rolling to his back and giving up top position. So uh, many field... You know, not completely rock solid, uh, is quite aggressive, so has a tendency to eat clean hard shots, but Paul Craig doesn't really have any power in his hands, so that shouldn't bother Menefield too much. Menefield has got a good chin from what I've seen. Uh, Menefield also, you know, has got very good initial takedown defense. Takedown defense isn't completely bulletproof, but pretty good should be good enough to keep this fight standing and uh, and yeah i just see menafield murdering uh, paul craig in this fight um i am not going to bet on menafield straight at odds of 1.33 minus 303 but he is definitely a rock solid DraftKings pick and i am keeping him on my radar uh, as a potential fighter to throw into a parlay or an accumulator with someone else because you know this is a card with a lot of big favorites if we look we've got uh one two three four five six seven uh eight favorites on this card and i mean there are only 12 fights on this card uh or actually yeah 12 fights now that the ledette uh Lundjambula fight has been cancelled so out of the eight uh, sorry out of the 12 fights on this card we've got eight heavy favorites so uh alonzo manifield is a guy that i would uh, consider putting into a parlay or an accumulator if i can find any other big favorites which i believe uh, have virtually no way of losing and uh, and i would be surprised if manifield loses this it should be an easy fight for him so now we move on to the final fight that I want to talk about in today's video, which is going to be the main event between Francis Ngannou and Junior Dos Santos. Uh, and I mean, let's, uh, let's kick off talking about this fight by looking at the odds. So current average odds available on Francis Ngannou are 1.40, which is minus 250 for an implied probability of 71%. And Junior Dos Santos, 
currently around about a 3.10 underdog, which is plus 210 for an implied probability of 32%. So to bet Nganu, you've got to give him, well, we really want cap him around about a 76% chance of winning. And uh, to bet on uh, Junior DeSantos, you want to cap him around about at least having a 40% chance of winning, which, you know, I got to be honest, I don't love the odds on either guy here. I mean, both guys are primarily boxers. We know that uh, Nganu, his biggest weakness is on the ground. We know that Junior Dos Santos is a high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. And if I thought Dos Santos would come out into this fight with a grappling-heavy game plan, I might be tempted to bet on Junior Dos Santos at these odds. But let's face it, he's 35 years old. Uh, he's had almost 30 pro fights. And we've never seen Junior Dos Santos try and take his past opponents down. So why would he start now? So I don't expect him to try and take this fight to the ground. Both guys are primarily boxers. So I do expect, expect this fight uh, to stay standing. And I mean, let's be honest... Um, JDS hasn't looked the same for a long time now. Here we see him looking young and vibrant. Uh, but since USADA came into effect, even with the, the camp switch to American top team, Junior DeSantos has looked timid uh, and just not the same uh, as he used to look. You know, if you go back and watch a Derek Lewis fight, you'll see him throwing loads of strikes off balance and at weird angles, which leaves him wide open to eating a big KO counter. Against Taito Ivasa, he looked timid. Uh, Blagoy Ivanov, he also looked timid, and he looked very, very timid against Steve Miocic. And if you look timid against a guy like Francis Ngannou, they are going to capitalize on any split second mistake you make, any little piece of hesitation, and, uh, and land a bomb and absolutely kill you. So... JDS definitely isn't the same guy that he used to be. And I mean, really, when we're talking about uh, Francis Ngannou, I mean, the guy's really got two weaknesses. His ver first weakness is his ground game, and his second weakness is his uh, cardio. So we've already established the ground game shouldn't come into play here because Junior De Santos never looks to take his opponents down. And then the second factor to take into consideration here is his cardio. But in order to force a fighter to slow down and gas out you have to you have to force them to work right you have to uh test their pacing and you have to dictate the pace and force them to work and ways that you know guys in the past have been able to do that to Nganu is to tie him up against the cage force him to work hard to defend takedowns force him to fight in the clinch um and make him slow down that way but JDS doesn't use that style. JDS will want this fight in kickboxing range. He'll want to try and outbox Nganu. And Nganu can, can fight at that pace for three rounds, no problem. Now, I don't know if he can go five rounds at that pace, but certainly three rounds. And within three rounds, you know, based on how JDS has looked over the last couple of years, I'd imagine Nganu's been able to, would have been able to have landed something big enough to end the fight within within three rounds because he's an absolute nightmare. And JDS is nowhere near as durable as he used to be before USADA came into effect. So I don't see Nganu's cardio being an issue in this fight just because JDS will probably be on the back foot He's not really a high-volume striker. He's not really an aggressor. He's not going to look to make Nganu work in the clinch. He's not going to make Nganu work to defend takedowns. So I don't see Nganu's uh, cardio really, really being tested here. And I mean, aside from, you know, two blips on his record, 
Francis Ngannou's looked pretty fucking good. Um, you know, obviously he struggled against Stipe Miocic. He fought, you know, a high-level wrestler for the first time and uh, and got exposed. Uh, but he would have learned a lot from that in how to pace himself. He would have would have gained a lot of experience from that. And obviously it was 18 months ago as well, so he will have improved a lot since the Stipe fight. And then obviously he put in a dreadful, dreadful performance against Derek Lewis where he got into a 15-minute staring contest. But remember... This was a sign of a fighter that was low on confidence, a sign of a fighter that knows that they gassed out in the in the matchup prior to that, and was just looking to gain some octagon, some time in the octagon to learn how to pace themselves. Because I mean, if we look at Angano's career before the Steep Miocic fight, you know, every single fight almost uh, ended in the first round or very early on. So Angano had no experience of being in a prolonged war like he had. Uh, like he was thrust into against Miocic. So after he slowed down against Miocic, uh, kind of felt what it was like to feel tired and have your opponent beat up on you. I think that the the, the poor performance against Derek Lewis was just a learning experience for Ngannou where he wanted to go the distance in a UFC fight to feel uh, what it's like to go the distance and try and learn how to pace himself. And obviously since then, he has uh, absolutely death-shotted Velasquez and Blades. So I don't judge uh, Ngannou harshly at all for his uh, performance against Derek Lewis. Some people still hold it against him. But I just think this was a young, inexperienced fighter trying to use this fight as an opportunity to learn and grow and improve. And uh, there are signs that since then, he definitely has improved with two impressive wins over Blades and Velasquez. So I do expect Francis, Francis Ngannou to win this fight. I'm not interested in betting Junior Dos Santos. I think that uh, something crazy would have to happen in order for Dos Santos to win. Uh, like I say, he's not particularly aggressive anymore. He's quite timid. And we know that Ngannou is very tough and he's got a, ch a good chin. I think if these guys get into a firefight, there's only going to be one winner. I think Ngannou is going to knock him out. But obviously, if we look at the odds on Ngannou, uh, he is currently around about a 1.40 favourite, uh, which is minus 250 for an implied probability of 71%. You know, I can't cap him at these odds. Uh, sorry, I can't cap him at odds of 76% to, to, give him a, to make him a worthwhile bet here, simply because JDS is dangerous. You know, everyone at heavyweight has the power to end the fight at any second. And... Uh, and yeah, I just would never, I would never really bet a heavyweight at these odds because MMA is a risky sport. Anything can happen. I mean, Moicano's got an amazing chin. Korean Zombie, not particularly dangerous with his hands. And, you know, we saw last week, even in the featherweight division, within 30 seconds, Moicano got absolutely flatlined. So if that can happen in those sorts of fights, it can definitely happen in these heavyweight fights with these big guys that hit very hard. So this matchup is an easy fight for me. To pass on i think the odds are spot on and that is it for today's video guys i'll be back tomorrow with part two please don't forget to subscribe and also if you do want that live stream video this saturday a few hours before the event takes place please hit the thumbs up button below and if every video that i put out this week gets 350 likes i'll do that prop bet live stream but i'll also take as long as i need to to answer all your questions from the live q a but take care guys thanks for watching and i'll see you tomorrow too many thoughts on my mind i can't sleep at night so i just keep writing i don't need no help i don't need opinion so don't waste my time then i just been living online my city don't show me no loving that's fine fuck local radio stations i got more plays than all of these rappers combined i'm going i'm going again i've been going in i'm fed up with so many things i gotta just let it all out i'm talking about the shit they've been talking about